Legal discussion on tip today is brought to you in association with Lynch Solicitors Clan Mel on the web at lynchsolicitors.ie and at divorceinireland.com. John Lynch from Lynch Solicitors joining me now. John, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed, John. Um, more medical negligence today, John. Yeah. 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 Well, it's interesting. As I was saying to you there, the last, there seems to be kind of a trend or a theme. Hopefully it will continue to kind of make certain changes within the legal system and um, changes for the better that will hopefully, you know, ensure that everybody gets a fair crack the whip in terms of dealing with it on both sides of the fence, if you know what I mean, mm. in terms of bringing in claim and defending a claim, you know. And, I mean, one of the trends I, I actually... Cross my bows, as they say, there this morning, but I, I didn't get a chance to look at it. But another case where went to the Court of Appeal from the High Court, where the High Court had awarded a percentage of the costs against somebody who contested an enduring power of attorney, and they were appealing it to the Court of Appeal. Now, I only looked at the result. The result was the Court of Appeal didn't reverse it. They left it as it was. So all indicative of caution mm. when you're dealing with making claims. And I presume it was huge cost to that, John. Huge, massive cost. Yeah. You're, talking about, yeah, you're talking about high court action, you know, with senior counsel, junior counsel, etc., etc. Now, and the problem, of course, with all of these things is that whatever about paying your own costs and trying to negotiate your own corner and trying to deal with your own legal team, and, I mean, down the years, quite a number of cases have been brought uh, you know, that we, we've taken, that you'll take on the basis of sentence line, look, not so much a no phone, no fee, but you'll say, look, listen, I appreciate that you may not win this, so, you know, we'll try and keep things reasonably managed on our mm. side, but you can keep them managed on the other side, because ultimately, if you don't succeed, uh, the, the absolute golden rule is that, uh, you know, it's like a mantra within the court system is that costs follow the event. So, mm or costs follow the result, if you like. So if the result is bad, costs don't fall the proper way for you, if you know what I mean. But the pluses on it is that, and again, uh, you know, something that I've often, you know, often wonder about, well, you don't wonder about it because it seems to be quite common is that you get various expert groups. You know, we have a controversy in Ireland, like cervical cancer, we have a controversy about various things uh, and they set up tribunals and then, they set up expert groups to assess things and then the expert groups provide you with a very detailed report and then the report goes on the shelf and 10 years later another report is commissioned and another investigation and another series of recommendations and in the recent past we seem to be finding that they are finding their way onto the the legislation mm. insofar as we've had the recent change in the guidelines uh, for personal injury claims and I'm really hoping that the recommendations that they've brought in or that they have motions, if you like, on medical negligence will find their way mm. uh, into you know, the public arena and that something will be done about them. But the interesting, one really interesting one in the context of what's happening at the moment, I, I have to say I was very pleased when I got my call to say that I get my first jab of the vaccine and somebody asked me if, you know, if it was the AstraZeneca or whatever, the, whatever the, AstraZeneca, <laughs> yeah, AstraZeneca, would you take it or would you accept it or what's your views on it or mm. you know whatever? And I, well, my view was very simplistic and non-legal. Uh, you know, I'll take the vaccine. Thank mm. you very much. Rather mm. than live in a, a vacuum for the next couple of years, 
So, but the interesting thing that I raised, Fran, is that they've talked about, I mean, we had an issue, if you remember, and we have a number of these cases that are before the court based on a vaccine that was during the flu epidemic. Yes. And that gave rise to very uh, negative uh, reaction. Yes, it was uh, narcolepsy, you know. I think, was it? Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Narcolepsy. So there's quite there's a number of those actions before the courts at the moment. So the question that, that came up and did come up quite recently on the narcolepsy case when they came before the court was that the court said, well, is there another way of dealing with these? Can we deal with it another way? In other words, and in that particular thing, they've come up with a, a kind of a procedure mechanism to deal with it without having it run the full gauntlet of litigation, if you know what I mean. Now, they did the same thing, interesting enough, as in the court themselves, as in the judiciary, have been somewhat proactive in trying to, you know, take what you might consider, you know, class actions in another mm. jurisdiction, and they've tried to make them more efficient in, in the context of the court. So, I mean, for example, in the Dupree litigation that we were involved in, I mean, that litigation was literally funneled through one judge and he did all of the admin work on it and made sure that that it was streamlined. He then also then, two-thirds way through the initial investigation, said, well, what about an alternative way of dealing with this? And he introduced an alternative dispute regulation, uh, um, you know, and he literally set up an alternative scheme mm, mm. to deal with assessing. Now, so the, so it's it's out and about there, and it's 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 been used by the the court system. So the question is, what systems can we put into place as a country, as a state, that might do it? And one of the ones that, that was discussed very recently was the vaccination, a vaccination, or uh, in this case, it would this would have been pre-COVID. Now this conversation would have been had, but not that far back. Uh, 2018 was when they were talking about. Mm. So in that case, they were talking about the question of if you have a vaccination scheme within a country and the whole idea and the moral kind of argument for the state having responsibility for it is that they consider that it's a national issue and that they should be trying to ensure that people take up vaccination, be it flu, be it whatever, mm. and obviously COVID we're now talking about. And if you're, you know, is there is there a benefit in having a compensation scheme to follow through on that? Should that be part of the mechanism that deals with the state uh, asking you to take a vaccine? And the answer that, that the expert group came up with was, yes, it is a good reason for it. Because, number one, it will, if if a state-backed, because I mean, if, you, if you go back to the narcolepsy situation, in that case, when they brought in the vaccines to Ireland, the state effectively guaranteed the suppliers of the vaccine mm. that if there was litigation on it, that they would they would stand over it, if you know what I mean. Mm. So they give them an indemnity on it. And it's the same so, with COVID, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. same idea. Exactly. Same mm. same idea with COVID. Mm. So if you're going to do that, the argument is that if you're going to do that then and you're looking for people to take up the vaccine and you want to ensure that you want to inspire confidence in the way the vaccine has been managed, that in those circumstances you should have a vaccination compensation scheme just in case something goes wrong, which hopefully it won't. Mm. But in that scenario then, the interesting thing that there's is, that the third suggestion is that you should uh, look for a contribution from the uh, suppliers 
and the manufacturers mm. of these vaccines. So in that situation, so they came up with this kind of model, which is outside the court system now. But interestingly enough, the debate or the legal debate uh, about this whole area, which really hit the headlines, because I don't know what you're reading in the paper. I'm sure you were reading the papers, but I don't know what you're reading. I just caught a glimpse of an article, and I have to admit I didn't read it. I think it was my, the Irish Independent, which I bring into my mother every morning, and mm. there was a front-page headline on it about the fact that there was a, a, a number of judges that were very strenuous in their opposition to the change in the guidelines that was introduced mm. recently. Mm. And, there, and it was surprising insofar as that it wasn't vocalised prior to this because, I mean, one of the arguments that you have in the legal system where you have a constitution is that you have to give people access to the courts and you can't block that access. And also that the constitution guarantees bodily integrity. Part of bodily integrity as a constitutional right is that if there is a breach of bodily integrity that you're entitled to compensation mm. as a result. So that argument never actually found its way into the media over the last period of time. And uh, there, there obviously was a cohort of judges that took the view that there was an argument there that something like introducing mandatory uh, levels of compensation for claims and, and indicating to judges that they can't apply uh, an amount of discretion on it, that that had a constitutional kind of... Um, negative tone, mm. if you like. Mm. So it was interesting that that wasn't mooted. But when they were looking at it, one of the arguments that they said, like there's, there's any number of different ways to deal with claims in the country. I mean, for example, we have the Injuries Board, as you know. Yes. And the Injuries Board is an assessment. Um, now, I don't want to oversimplify it, but it's an assessment process. Mm. I mean, effectively, you're, if you're involved in, a, in a, an accident, and you you wish to make a claim, you don't start with making a claim the court system. Mm. You start with making a claim through the injuries board. When you make that claim through the injuries board, let's say you were involved in an accident and I'm, going, I'm coming one way, you're coming the other way, and we collide in the middle of the road and we have an argument about who was over the white line, was it you or was it me kind of thing, mm. and you have this dispute on who's right and who's wrong. When you're in the assessment board, that's not that's not an issue. In other words, they don't deal with liability. They don't look at causation. They don't look at who's right and who's wrong. They simply say, what is the injury? What's the level of compensation? And that's how they deal with it. And one of, one of the issues that um, the expert group, when they were looking at medical negligence, when they, and again, they looked at that model. Just to finish, by the way, on the vaccination option that they looked at, they, mm. they said, for sure, that is a good option, and they think that should be brought in, brought to bear, and that you should have a national vaccination compensation scheme, and it should identify the vaccines, and it should be very specific about mm-hmm. them, and you should deal with the issue. You should set up an expert panel, and that panel, as you can imagine, will in fact, in that instance, look at both. And there would be a cap, a cap on the amount that you could receive. Is that it? Well, yeah, very good. Yeah, you're, you've been reading your your your, your textbooks on this. I mean, the, the reality of it is, interesting enough, what they said was that the book of quantum would apply. So in this particular instance, uh, the new guidelines would apply. So yes, you're right. There would, when you say a cap, there are guidelines. Mm, uh, yes, there are guidelines that are available. Yes, because of course every case is different, but but still, yeah. Oh yeah, but I mean, but the interesting thing was that one of the reasons when they looked at the you know, I mean, you've got the injuries board model, which mm. is an assessment model, 
And you would have thought that they would then move on and say, well, what about um, applying the same model with medical negligence? Mm. And one of the answers that they came up with, and I just it would be very curious if it was revisited, how it might, how it might, uh, you know, how it might end in terms of a discussion. But one of the reasons that they said that a medical injury board assessment board wouldn't work is for the very reason that they say that you can't have one. And, and I, I think there's a, there's, a, there's a good logic in it mm-hmm. is that because of the complexity of medical negligence in terms of why why does it happen and yes. did it happen as a result of negligence and because of the injury and the complexity is the type of injuries that you're talking about and that uh, that in, the, in that circumstances it's very very hard to have an assessment board that will be effective in making an assessment. So they basically turned down the idea of actually, uh, you know, an assessment board. But one of the things that I thought, and I, I really would like to see this one uh, finally its way onto the statute books, one of the things that they looked at, and again, don't forget this was in the context of the cervical check scandal, mm. which obviously brought a lot of good things to play, despite the absolute awfulness of it. It did have some good impact in terms of a legal perspective, but... What they talked about as well was, should we have a tribunal, a cervical check tribunal, they were talking about, uh, but I presume you could you could be more general about that. Mm. And the interesting thing was that the, po- the report paused and the chairman gave a report to the government in the middle of this uh, investigation as to what kind of mechanism should we have available to us. And they put a pause, they pressed the pause button, gave a report to the government and said, yes, we think you should do a cervical check tribunal. And interestingly enough, action, immediate action on it, cervical check tribunal act in 2019 was implemented. Now, one of the things in that that I would really love to see being expanded is that they introduced what they call a restoration of trust uh, provision in the legislation. And what effectively that is, and it's something that I've come across quite frequently when you're dealing with these type of cases, is that people often just want to know why, mm. want to know what, what exactly happened. Mm. But not looking for compensation. They're simply saying, we don't know what happened. We have no explanation. We have no interaction. And this particular uh, mechanism within the 2019 Act introduced this provision whereby you would have a meeting between the two sides where the complaint would be, it would be explained to them uh, exactly what actually happened and to give them some sort of Now, we'd like to see that finding its way more into the whole, you know, rather than the, because after all, you know, when you're looking at uh, litigation, it is by definition computational. It is adversarial. And the reason that this expert group was set up in the first place was to see, you know, could we have another way of doing it? Now they came up with, they came up with a no on the uh, the other one they looked at. By the way, just to kind of wrap it up, is the no fault system, and this has been around debate wise for years. Mm-hmm. It's in Australia, for example, where they have a no fault system in certain parts of Australia, which effectively means that if you're involved in any form of an accident, uh, it's an assessment scenario only. You don't have to prove fault. They looked at that, and basically what they said about that was that they wouldn't really think that that would be good in a situation. And the interesting point, one of the interesting points they made was that if you introduce a no-fault system, 
livelihood leads to lessons not being learned, uh, which is an interesting take on it, insofar as they would say that, you know, the fact that there is litigation now, I, I would imagine it would be a huge debate by people on the medical side of the equation, if you know what I mean. But the argument or the suggestion was that by virtue of litigation, we do learn. Now, I mean, look at the cervical cancer case, and you can see that we certainly learned there, and that certainly has a lot of positive. And the whole, I suppose, the argument that they're making is that in a court system, in no fault system, it never gets an earring, whereas in a false system, it goes. That's interesting. When might we see the implementation of those? Well, it was introduced, it was basically, they, they've implemented some of it, funnily enough. Uh, some of it has found its way into legislation. Mm. The Cervical Tribunal one has found its way into legislation. The recommendation, there's also, there were also, in that particular report, there was all, also recommendations on instalment payments for, I think I mentioned it to you last yes. week, where they, you know, they put in the mechanism where you deal with the practicalities of a really difficult assessment or compensation situation on a, on a kind of a, a gradual basis that you could deal with it. And they've introduced that, so that's come in. So you'd hope um, that they would actually pull this out as a very recent recommendation and have a look at it and try yeah. and see what they can implement. Now, you're, really, you're, really just, you're really just talking about uh, them introducing, you know, they're not going to change the vaccination compensation scheme. You'd imagine would be one that could be up for discussion. You know? Wouldn't you, John? Just before I let you go, why, John, and I don't understand this, because we, we had a discussion last week uh, again, and, and the, the notion of class action came up in, in, in mm. the midst of it. And of course, we can, as you've drummed into us, we can't have a class action here, even though we can have similar things. Uh, yeah. Why don't they introduce the notion of class action here? Because it would fix an awful lot of this, would it not? It would, yeah, it would. But uh, it's an American model, and I suppose... And it's funny, I, you know, as you were asking the question there, I was thinking to myself, has it not been looked at? Um, and I will look and see, has it been looked at? Because you have a very good... Um, and this is, uh, you know, there's a very good system in Ireland in that we have a law reform uh, commission that's set up that goes after investigating different areas of law. Mm. And they've introduced some really significant changes in the law over the years. Some of it has found its way onto the statute books and some of it hasn't, but obviously they have made huge strides. I checked that for you, Fran. Have they actually actually looked at it? It's interesting, because I know, is there a mass sort of appeal that you can make in some way that is similar to it, or...? Well, no. Well, how they did it in the Dupuis litigation, how they did it in the hearing lot. Do you remember the hearing lot? Yes, of course. Yes, the with the, the soldiers and the... Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they they did it in that way, but they did it within... Like, what the, one of the recommendations, which for another day we can talk about them, but there's a whole raft of suggestions that are sitting there, literally mm. in the last two years, about how to deal with negligence cases yes. and how to make them more efficient. And they're talking about things like case management. And I think, uh, and this is absolutely off the top of my head, I think that they may be more focused, uh, rather than, you know, the class action scenario may be an option, but I think they're quite they're quite focused on making the system as it is more efficient first, if you like. So what they're talking about, for example, with medical negligence cases, is they're they're, they're changing the practice 
and how it's done. Now, I think you're right. I think it, it probably it does beg the question, would a class action not be a way to sort this out? And could you not? Because if you look at the logic of a class action, how it's done, as I understand it, is that you nominate one judge. That judge then takes over the management of the case. Cases, plural, and then deals, well, in, in the States, it drills it right down to compensation. Of that. Yes. But in, in Ireland, what they're suggesting at the moment is that even on our data, now, you have it in the commercial courts in Ireland. In the commercial courts in Ireland, where you, where you have kind of company law uh, litigation, in that, that was introduced a couple of years back. Uh, and that system is very driven by the judges. They drive it. You can't sit around. You must comply with the time limits. You'd be dragged in literally to explain, mm. why didn't you provide that document? Then they get agreed uh, reports by the, opposite, the, the people on the opposite side. They get them to meet. They make sure that if they do meet, that they do a memo of agreed issues. So that kind of, that, that model is there, and they're now trying to bring it into the day-to-day litigation. So maybe, just maybe, when they've tidied up what we have, they might then have a look That's at the broader one. But I, yeah. w- I will have a look at your All right. It, it, it's it's very interesting. John, thanks as ever, and uh, good to talk to you today. John Lynch from Lynch Solicitors in Clonmel speaking to us there, 1800-938-007. Fran, I'm a bit confused. The listener asks for people to walk on the left-hand side, whereas I always thought when out walking that you stay on the right-hand side. So I stayed during that on the footpaths. I think that's why people are getting mixed up. Is it? I, I wonder what, yeah. Uh, let me see. If I walk on the road, I always walk on the right, don't I? Yes, I do. So what, yeah. So what? what is the etiquette for, for the footpath then? Maybe you tell us about that. Um, 083 311 All right, still lots and lots of stuff coming in about us littering our beautiful areas. Uh, Fran Fines alone will not solve the mindset of the guilty one. They should have to do a certain amount of time. Litter picking under supervision, maybe something like 50 hours with the fine, and this will help them realise the wrong that they are doing. That comes up from John, who's in Nina uh, today. Uh, Fran, people out walking up and down the bypass that see others coming, they walk, walk out onto the road. Cop on, please, for the traffic. I feel sorry for the dopes that are around. 083 311 Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie